Welcome to Podcast 83, a regular look at the news, stories, and trends related to Michigan's 83 counties from the Michigan Association of Counties. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Podcast 83, the podcast put on by the Michigan Association of Counties. We've got the normal crew back together again with us this week. Samantha Gibson, Madeline Feda, Dina Bosworth, all with the MAC staff. We've been working hard this budget season on a lot of different issues. So uh, as we get closer and, and fingers crossed, hopeful on a budget being completed, there are quite a few updates this week on budget bills and, and uh, other bills that have been moving that uh, we want to give everyone an update on. So first, let's kick it off with, uh, you know, first and foremost, one of our priorities this spring has been the revenue sharing trust fund bills. We had uh, some discussion about it over the past week. Dini, you want to start us off? Yes, thanks, Steve. Um, yeah, in the House Local Government and Municipal Finance Committee last week, um, Representative Fitzgerald, rep out of Kent County, took up the revenue sharing trust fund bills. Now, we've had several bills in the process that we've been working with, um, four bills in the Senate, two bills in the House. At the end of the day, we really only need two bills to get it accomplished. So what we did was have a hearing in the House on Representative Tisdale's bill and Representative O'Neill's bill. Um, both of them, you know, the, the bills create the revenue sharing trust fund, but the difference from the introduced version is that um, we came to an agreement. We worked with the other local government organizations um, and really came to an agreement on how we wanted to see this structured. So how it's structured now is um, in the bill, it says that 8% of the first four percentage points of the state sales tax would go into the revenue sharing trust fund. Now we talked before, Senator Kleinfeld had our bills in the Senate. We were looking for 10% of the state, that first 4% of the state sales tax. Um, but we came to an agreement to the 8% to keep it within the budget recommendations that the governor put out last February. Um, the hearing, I gotta say, all three groups sat up there and testified to it. Um, and all in agreement, the reception from the members on the committee was fantastic. Um, they did not, however, vote the bills out. Now, we know that given the tight time frame on trying to get the state budget done, we weren't necessarily going to get these bills done prior to the budget being adopted, um, but we're still hopeful that they can move them through the process and make them more budget implementation bills. Um, okay, Lansing speak. But what that really means is, is that if they put our boilerplate language in there that we want into the state budget, um, for fiscal year 24, which starts in October, if they do that, then we just pass the policy bills when they get back in the fall and can kind of get it all done. So we're still keeping our fingers crossed that they're going to include those numbers um, in this budget cycle. Uh, but if not, I think we still have a really good shot at getting the policy done before the end of the year. Yeah, so essentially you're saying we may not get the actual policy bills done with the budget, but the essentially the same language in the budget? Yes. Right. So basically a one-year Band-Aid, and then it's in statute. Correct. Good. Um, yeah. Well, alongside those bills, they had a committee hearing on some public safety bills as well, correct? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And these the public safety and violence prevention fund bills um, are really being backed by the urban core mayors across the state. And what they're trying to do is, again, carve out a percentage of the state sales tax, but put it toward this public safety and violence prevention fund. Um, they want to use that 
to combat violent crime across the state. And the way they propose to do that are direct allocations to those public safety departments that have, you know, violent crime based on a three-year average. And then they send that money out proportionately. Um, you heard a lot of discussion in committee about really what is this money, where is this money going to go? Um, and so, you know, some of the accusations were it's really all just for the city of Detroit to tackle their violence. But that's not true. Um, they did cap, um, you know, the amount that could go to any one municipality at 25% at of that total pot of money. But they would have to use it for combating violent crime. Um, and they said that, you know, you can't supplant the money that you're already using um, for your public safety departments with this money. So what they're trying to do is say, we, we need a huge influx of dollars to tackle violence across our state. And this is how they want to do it, is to create basically our revenue sharing trust fund, but do it for themselves based on public safety needs. And Come so on, that, ask me the question. Well, I mean, what? how do we feel about that? <laughs> okay. So I think, you know, how we don't have an official position on the bills, and that's something that we have to talk to our committee about, our board members about. Um, but as, as of right now, I see some inadequacies in the bill that really don't reflect county needs. Now, we are all going to benefit from combating violent crime across the state, for sure. Um, but really, this doesn't give any direct funding to our sheriff's departments. Um, it does allow for pass-through monies to go to sheriff's departments if they contract with a municipality that doesn't do their own public safety which is great. So for those areas of the state where you have a contract in place with your township, with a city to provide those public safety services, then that money would be a pass-through. But we all know many, many, many areas across the state, probably the majority of the townships in our state do not have a contract in place with their sheriff's department. It's just up to the sheriff's department to be that law enforcement agency. Yeah, and so this anyway. doesn't really, yeah, they do it anyway. So it doesn't really recognize that. It doesn't recognize the expertise that our sheriff's departments lend to those municipalities either, whether it be detectives or forensics or whatever it is that might be. Um, two other things. One, I don't think it recognizes um, the rural needs across our state. So although, yes, it's meant to tackle violence, I can't tell you how many conversations we all have where we're talking to our counties and we're saying, I, we don't have the resources to provide all these public safety services. We have you know, fewer residents, we get an influx of tourists, and our tax base and our residents can't afford more um, public safety officers to deal with this influx of tourism. And so they're hurting too. They're, they really need you know, additional public safety resources. Um, and that's something that has been in our platform um, and, mm -hmm. you know, in our priorities for years that we need more public safety resources for those areas. Yeah, that's it's we've tried to tackle that issue a variety of ways in the past. Uh, and, and you know, I think we'll continue to look at that. All right. Mo moving along, um, Sam, J&J bills. We've talked about it a few times on the podcast here. What, what, how about an update on those bills? Yeah, so we have talked about the juvenile justice package. Too many times to count. 
Uh, it had its first hearing in the House last Tuesday in Chair Hope's Criminal Justice Committee, kind of an overview of the task force's recommendations, and then high level what the bills in, are intended to do. Um, Chief Justice Clement testified, Reps Hope and Leitner testified, and a few other task force members, um, and that went well. There was no vote. And then Thursday, they took testimony on the fines and fees bills within the package. They'll be voted out Tuesday this week, and then there'll be a hearing on the children's ombudsman piece of that package. So per the chair's office, and of course, always subject to change, it looks like the plan is take the summer um, and hold testimony in that committee on those bills, and then hopefully come fall, they can be out on the floor. And, and just a reminder, where, where, what is our position on those bills? We support the package as a whole. Um, the fines and fees bills we were opposed to last term when they were introduced uh, by Representative Hope. However, there have been some minor tweaks. You know, it doesn't remove all fines and fees entirely. There's still um, restitution and the victim's funds find, fines, I'm sorry, um, remain intact. Um, and then that in combination with the child care fund reimbursement increase it's something that we're willing to say, okay, we're okay with this so long as we're seeing dollars for these services elsewhere. Right. So, and again, our main priority is really with the child care fund reimbursement increase. Right. And then uh, Dina Solar Pilt, which you, you were talking earlier today when we were having a discussion, it looks like there's going to be some movement on that or could be some movement on that. Yeah, there was movement on that. So for several years now, we've been working with, um, then Senator Vanderwall, now Representative Vanderwall in his office, and now Representative Neely on a couple of bills that would create um, an optional form of tax on solar personal property equipment. And again, we've talked about it for years. We've been in work groups for years, really trying to, to nail down the details. But what it would do is allow for a local unit of government um, to grant a solar developer the option to pay um, a payment in lieu of taxes, so PILT, um, as opposed to paying taxes on the assessed value of that equipment. Um, our committees have voted and we're in support of it, but as it is right now, it's about $7,000 per megawatt of nameplate capacity um, for these large scale solar developments. So that $7,000 payment that they would make could be distributed out to all of those taxing units within that jurisdiction um, based on the percentage that they get out of um, the ad valorem property taxes, or I'm sorry, any of the taxes they, they levy out of that. Um, you know, passed out of the house last week with flying colors, um, very little opposition to it, not unanimous, but little opposition. This week, it's going to be up in the Senate Energy Committee um, for testimony, but I think that as of now, most of the kinks have been worked out of the bills, and we expect them to get to the governor soon. And just for clarification, who gets the choice? The local unit gets the choice to charge it that way, or the uh, private provider gets the choice to be to pay it which way? The, the provider would apply to the local unit. The local unit would have the option as to whether or not to grant them that PILT payment as opposed to the assessed value. I mean, you remember, Steve, we've been, you know, around for a long time, how hard our county struggled with um, what happened with those wind turbines out there. 
And they really thought that they were going to get, you know, significantly more revenue out of the assessed value on those turbines than they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cost our, our counties and our local units, you know, within those counties, a ridiculous amount of money to fight that change in value um, through the court system. So we're hopeful that if this does go through, that it's going to alleviate a lot of those legal challenges and expenses that they have to face. Um, so we'll kind of keep our fingers crossed and hope it works the way that it's supposed to. If not, then we'll be right back here trying to fix it. Well, and it's option, right? It's an option to grant it and it's an option for the company to apply for it. So, and I won't take offense to the around for a long time comment there. Oh uh, man, oh, we have been here a while, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Well, it seems like yeah. yesterday I was just started. Oh, Lord. it doesn't <laughs> seem like yesterday when you started to me, but yeah, well, okay. I'm sure it doesn't. Yeah, I- all right finally i saved the uh, kind of budget update for last because you know there's a lot of moving parts in there we're watching so i'll I'll open it up to the floor if anyone wants to start with any section of the budget first okay way to jump in ladies i got it i got it i I was waiting for Madeline. i didn't know if she was dying to uh (laughs) jump in on this podcast or not you know, Pat, <laughs> Madeline loves the audience. So the audience says Madeline loves the podcast. It's her favorite mm-hmm. time of the week when we do the podcast. I was oh, hoping why? to go the whole the whole episode without having to say anything. Well, you would not. That would not have happened, and you know that. That yeah, would have been something. <laughs> he would have poked you, probably embarrassed you, had you not. But um, okay, so we expect the budget to be done this week. Um. What we expect is next or tomorrow or whenever this airs, but today's Monday, um, we expect on Tuesday, the 27th for the House and the Senate to get together in conference committees um, and vote on the budgets that they have agreed upon in those conference committees. Then those budgets will go to the House and the Senate floor for concurrent votes and send it over to the governor. What's in those budgets? We don't know. They have been extremely tight-lipped behind closed doors on those budget negotiations. We don't know what revenue sharing looks like. We don't know what MIDC looks like. I mean, we just have all kinds of questions up, you know, out there, and we, we just don't have any answers at this point. Okay. Yeah, on that. Oh, go ahead, Steve. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, all right. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, Sam, did you want to chime in there? Yeah, Dina mentioned uh, the MICD, but MIDC budget item um, that we're waiting to find out how that will be funded. Our June magazine is our topic on that is MIDC funding and really just a big what if. What if it doesn't get funded? What happens if it does get funded? So by the end of this week, we'll have an answer to the hypothetical that is the article. So Everybody keep yeah, their eyes and, peeled for that. And obviously, based on what Dina has said, what we've had our just internal discussion, external discussions, we don't know. It's been, it could go either way. Obviously, the recommendations, uh, we, we have two of the three recommendations did not fund it, if, I'm, if I remember right, correct? In the, in the Yeah, I don't, neither one of them fully funded it, but they were right. still points yeah. of difference. So they could fully fund it. Right. It doesn't have to be one number or the other. It's just. Right. When they pass their respective budgets and one chamber says one thing, the other chamber says another, that is, you know, a a point of difference. And then those, those can get hammered out in conference committee. So that's what we expect tomorrow. Right. 
So at least we'll have some some uh, visibility on that by the end of the week. And of course, we'll provide anyone with any or provide everyone with any updates as soon as we get them or at the end of the week with our weekly legislative update. And then we'll be doing another podcast later this week once the uh, budget is done. Is there any any other budget updates anyone wants to talk about? No. Well, of course, we're always open to questions. So if folks have questions about the budget that we didn't talk about, please feel free to email any one of us and we will get you an answer to that um, as soon as we know something. So before I close things out, anything, Madeline, do you want to voluntarily like maybe talk about what you did this weekend before I... <laughs> oh, you're muted. I hear you. Oh, see, her, her mic's muted now, so we can't even hear her. So no, we didn't even get to hear that. Some of that might have been intentional. We'll see. We'll see. Well, on that note, everyone, thank you. Uh, have a great week, and we'll provide you an update uh, on the budget uh, later this week. That'll probably be later this week or Monday. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Podcast 83.